everybody, welcome to episode 19 of So I've Been Told. My name is Adam Kramer, and this is my podcast. On my podcast, I like to talk to people, mostly my friends, who do cool stuff, uh, mostly related to music and DIY culture. So, my guest today is one of my closest friends. It is Stephen Haramis. He is the drummer in the band Treadwater that I'm currently in. No, he's not the drummer. He's the guitarist. He was the drummer in a band called Endangered Youth that I used to be in. The intro music for this show is an Endangered Youth song. Anyway, he and I go back, like, way back. when we, we met when we were, like, 15. So this episode was super fun for me to put together. It's a long one. There's a lot of information, a lot of music clips from stuff that, that he's made. And, yeah, I had a lot of fun putting this together, and I hope that you guys enjoy it. We recorded it a couple months ago. It's... I've, been working on it for a while, and there was a windstorm and the power was out, so we recorded it on my laptop in the dark at his house, and his dog was there. Django was there's there's some a good portion of the conversation where you can hear Django breathing in the background. So it is what it is. It's maybe my favorite so far. All right, enjoy. So, Steve, uh-huh. we've been friends for a long ass time. Half our life. Yeah. Literally so half our life now. How did you like get into like punk? Like, well, you know, you've listened to these like broadly punk, like any like underground music. How to get into it? Yeah, or or metal or whatever, like music that's not mainstream. Like, what was your introduction to it? So, you know Jimmy Madeira? Mm-hmm. I feel like somehow we should get him, attach him to this. I remember being like 11, maybe, and I knew him through church. My family went to church when I was young, and we kind of grew up together. And I remember him, like, I gotta show you something, I gotta show you something. And he, we, it was like the big boom box, you know. So he had like a, a Zayo CD. I think it was um, Where Fire and Blood Bring Rest. Or like a demo off that or something like that. And I remember listening to like um, the first track off there and being like, N- I've never heard anyone sound like that. Yeah. So once I heard that, I had to have it. So I like, I feel like I, that was my introduction. It was Jimmy Madera, Sean yeah. Zayo. Nice. Like, and that was, that was probably like, the heaviest thing I've ever listened to because I'd probably listen to some shitty, you know, I don't know, new metal thing before that, but yeah. I think that was like the real introduction to, to alternative music at that point. So you didn't, you didn't fuck around. Like, no. You went straight to like, straight to the heavy like stuff. Real heavy shit. And it's funny because I, when I was little, I listened to like, like jazz and like classical music, so quite a, quite a jump. Yeah. I think everyone, and this was on your last episode, I remember talking about Linkin Park, I think everyone listened to Hybrid Theory. Yeah. I don't well, know if anyone in our generation did listen to Hybrid Theory, so I feel like that was kind of like, kind of heavier-ish, but not not to the level of Zayo. Yeah, well I remember, 
it was it was eighth grade yeah. that record came out for for us yeah and i mean i didn't, obviously i didn't know you yet but like every single person had that album wasn't that before eighth grade it may have came out in like seventh but i remember like the eighth grade year was when everybody had it I mean, just I look can, up the date of that make sure i mean that, i can but make sure that date is is accurate then I gotta figure out what year we were in <laughs> But yeah, like uh, so. So Jimmy, Jimmy played that song, and then I showed it to my mom, and my mom was like, "Oh no, you can't listen to that." That's. But then she did. She let me listen. To it. I don't think she like complained as long as it was like on my headphones and I didn't play it out loud in my room. Yeah, I was allowed to listen to that. I forgot that there's no internet because there's no power. Also, I'm not connected to your internet anyway, even if there was power. Yeah. So, anyway, I'd have to look up on my phone, and I don't really care enough to bother. But, yeah, like, that was when, like, when Biscuit was huge, and then Linkin Park, like, didn't have any, like, it didn't have the parental advisory sticker, so everybody, everybody could have it. The fact that you remember a parental advisory sticker is important, too, you know? Like, there's not even such a thing anymore. I guess not. Well, I don't know. Like, I think... I think the last album that I would have bought that has more on it is that uh, Tukumba Butterfly, Kendrick Lamar. Okay. And I think that had a sticker on it. Really? But it was like a hard copy that had a sticker on it. Yeah. Hmm. But I mean, nobody's really buying that many, like nobody's buying like mainstream CDs anymore. I don't remember why I did. I saw it at Target and I was like, I I like this record and I want to own it. But... So, when did you first start playing music? I played piano when I was like really little, just kind of messing around on on um, a family piano. But I also took lessons when I was really young. Um, trumpet. I played trumpet in like fourth grade. And I played piano in like fifth or sixth grade, maybe. I took like one guitar lesson, but I think... The woman was so old, I thought she was going to die during the lesson. <laughs> she couldn't breathe. So I stopped going to those. And then I never took any more lessons after that. So then I didn't play music again. Just like for playing, playing, like, you know, playing shows and whatnot. Yeah. Until probably around the time you were in Red Eyes or Blue Skies. And, and I was I was playing, the, I was doing like a piano thing. Yeah. Where I was, I wrote these little songs and tried to play them in coffee shops. And I had this expectation that people would care about that, <laughs> which they did not, did not care about that. But it was, I think it was just, I wanted to be playing, because I, I think I saw you going first to play music live, mm. and I was like, I want to play music live too, but I don't have a band, so what can I do to like share that same thing? I wanted yeah. to have that same thing. So, so, you know, the only thing I had was the little Casio piano, so I wanted to do it too, but... Um, in retrospect, I feel like I probably could have found a band, but yeah, I mean, I still think like like that stuff you were writing was cool. Like some of it was like weird and cheesy, but like yeah, like I thought there was like real cool, pretty piano stuff. For what it was, you yeah. Know, like, for considering that you know there was no real like theory behind it, it was just some noodling around the piano. Yeah, well, and the the stuff that I would think is probably cheesy now was like. The stuff that I could hear, how like you, you like almost played like hardcore breakdowns, yeah, on the piano. So it was like that. I could hear how it was connected and it made sense. Mm-hmm. 
like I said, I think I just really wanted to play in a band, and that was the only thing I like had to yeah. play on. You know, what was a uh, those were did you play many shows here in Rochester that were like with other bands um, as when you were doing the piano thing or was that mostly there was a just a Celtic band hands? that to friends of John's they went to RIT and I'm gonna fuck I can't remember the name was it without question was it without question I don't remember they played like Celticish songs and we played like two three shows together I played Dan Kushner at one point. Yeah. Um, in like the basement of this girls' dormitory, and it was like a coffee shop in the basement of a girls' dormitory at Roberts. And I remember we played there together. Um, yeah. But I don't think I actually played with bands. I think usually it was like I, I'd like find a coffee shop, and it was it wasn't too bad. Like coffee shops, whatever whatever reason, would give you like fifty bucks to play. Yeah. And I just played my shitty songs for fifty bucks. <laughs> uh, so, a couple times, and I remember like just. Just doing that like every weekend for some reason. Yeah, just, I, mean, I think it felt excited. Oh like, yeah, feel important. Fifty bucks just to yeah. sit and play music like it's not a bad gig. Yeah, um, it's more than make now. <laughs> like, no, right. It's more than our band makes now. So <laughs> uh, now I know that there are MySpace pages pages for these two projects. I don't know the order in which they came, but I know there was Marion Crane murder. And Vampires of Normandy. Wasn't Marion Crane murder something that happened before the piano thing? Yeah, I think it was. That was just me and my, my cousin. Because my cousin played drums and he played guitar. And whenever we, we saw each other, you know, we just like, that was the only thing we like really wanted to do together was yeah. play music or play video games. So I remember we used to play music and just try to record it. And I think I had like just been introduced to Audacity, so I was like, like we could we could start a band we could record and like it was just like a like a like a computer mic that we're using yeah. right now to record this to record the entire thing, but I remember we made a MySpace for that and just made like four or five songs and it was really I think it was really cheesy but I think it was just fun there was yeah. no practice that went into it like we wrote the songs that day and recorded them that day and made up the lyrics that day and, yeah you know and it was what it was so.
that was happened. that wasn't really even a thing, and I don't really know why it's still a thing. <laughs> and I think the only I mean, reason still a MySpace page with music well, on it. It was like so. You know how me and John had all kinds of silly projects that never came to fruition. I think that was me and Eric's version of that. Like that was okay. our that was our just our like just Your cousin Eric. Yeah, my cousin Eric, okay. not Eric Frey. So this was yeah, this was still pre the where and pre yes. John Kiss yeah. entering your life. Yeah, so John, John wasn't even in my life at this point. So this is just going back. The dark ages. The dark, the dark <laughs> ages. So, so you mean? I think that was like a year before I ever met John. Yeah. So the next thing in your in your musical journey probably was the where. Yeah, the where, the where was a funny story because I was playing my piano thing already at this point, and I really had no absolutely no direction as far as like I wasn't really looking to join a band. But I remember walking upstairs in in the in the guy's dormitory at the time, and I heard overheard John and Ward talking about how they wanted to start a band. Yeah. Not knowing who they were, I was just like, oh, I want, I want to be in a band. Like, oh, well, we're looking for a vocalist. And I was like, okay, well, so I showed them the Marion Crane like demo or whatever it was, and I said, well, maybe, maybe I could be your vocalist. And they didn't believe that that was me. They, were, they refused to believe that was me. Well, they only knew you through the piano thing, right? Yeah, yeah. They, they, so. I think John had seen me once, the piano thing, and he thought, um, I don't know what he thought. Like, I think <laughs> if you play piano, you don't, make you know loud noises or something i don't know so um then we then we just were all all they wanted to do was record like a funny video i think they were like they were doing this video thing i forget what the video video production thing they were trying to start was i know what you're talking about i can't remember the name of it maybe post post production to figure that out for this podcast but i'll find it it's gonna it's gonna drive me nuts and i can't think of it so they they think they just want to do like a joke like a parody of the who but just make it like louder and have less. So the band that had would have no structure and just destroy everything. Yeah. And they wanted to call it the wear. And so I was like, well, okay, so it'd be fun just to record. So we recorded it in Ward's room, and like tore his room apart while we were doing it. Yeah. Yeah, not tore his room apart, but we just kind of were crazy in his room. And and then after that, I somehow we got it. Somehow we decided that we were gonna set up all of our gear in the girls' dormitory. At late at night and just play, just bang on drums and <laughs> play the guitar and scream, and um, I don't know, like it became like it became more of like a stunt, like a like a prank, like just to play like like horrible horrible music. And then 
I don't really know how it evolved to the point where eventually we planned to play a show. So I, I don't know how that evolved, but but it never the musically it never really evolved. It stayed this kind of um, I don't know cacophony of sound and just you know, it was pretty it was pretty uh, pretty bad. It was it was bad and also awesome yeah. because it was so bad. I think the I think the only thing about it that was exciting was that we broke a lot of stuff on stage. Like we broke a toilet, we broke a TV, we broke like a whole box of CD cases. We, we would like dump shredded paper all over the place. We would like climb on the ceilings. We did all kinds of stuff. And it was just more fun, I think, for people to watch what was going to be broken, <laughs> what was yeah. going to be destroyed. But we set a computer on fire. And it like, there wasn't, there wasn't really any emphasis on the music. It was all really about like, what kind of theatrics are we going to yeah. pull off? And and I think just what was exciting was just the environment of, oh, look, we're finally, you know, for me personally, like finally I'm in something that has an entity as a band yeah. and there's energy and it feels fun to play because I wanted that. But I think I still wanted something like more musically yeah. driven, but this was this was what it was for now. Yeah, so and that was, that was your first like experience like playing shows with other bands, really, right? Yeah, yeah, because uh, the where somehow made its way down to Pennsylvania and played yeah. with um, played with Condition Oakland and, and all those guys already gone already already gone. Back already then. Go, already yeah. gone. yeah, it wasn't even Condition Oakland. That's how old this, yeah. this is. And Red Eye and Red Eye. Obviously Red Eyes. And... Did we play with you guys? Yeah, yeah we, we did. did. We did. A weekend together. We did a weekend. You got to tell the story about the, the the birthday party. Oh yeah. So <laughs> we. So well, I mean you. Someone has to really know how terrible the wear is to fully underappreciate this story. But I'll, I'll put some clips in the, in the episode. Oh, God. Just clips. Okay. Not too much. Yeah, traumatize people. So, so we... Somehow we had a show booked without really any clear confirmation that the show was going on still. We were booked at this, like, uh, little town theater near Narsburg, New York. It is, technically. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's right in the border of Pennsylvania and New York. And... Um, the show was canceled, and in its place there was a girl holding her sweet sixteen birthday party. And didn't John know about this ahead of time? I don't know. He I don't told know. us that he knew and didn't tell us a lot. I don't remember that part of the story, but yeah. but so someone knew that it was it's canceled, and we still played, or we still we still showed up, and um, you know we would go downstairs with our stuff, thinking that we're going to play a show, and it's really just a girl. Her and all her friends, who are about fifteen, sixteen years old, yeah, it was their birthday 16. party. You know, so so some someone asks if we can still play, which is the dumbest thing to do. And and there's a town court upstairs too. Which is we didn't know part of the story. Yeah, they're holding a session of some. You know, I don't know what kind of court it is. If it's, I think it like it's the only court in town. So it's probably everything. It's like family court, traffic court, everything. So. Um, so they were like, sure, you guys can play at our, our party or whatever. So both our bands played. They liked your band because you, uh, you did some covers. We, we did. We covered, covered Fall Out Boy. And then when our band played, they... Uh, Which I played with you guys. Did you? Yeah, I played bass. And you weren't even in the band. You just, you just jumped on the bass. I was, but I was did, in the band but, for that weekend. But it didn't matter because the band was so horrible. <laughs> you, wouldn't yeah. have known. You, wouldn't, you wouldn't have known who was actually in it. And then um, the father stopped us like half a song in because uh, I guess the the judge from upstairs had heard this <laughs> heard the band playing and it was so horrible that we had to we had to stop so they can continue their uh, their session so that 
so that show was all was all about fifteen minutes. It wasn't, it wasn't even a show. It was so it was so we didn't belong there. And I don't I don't know why in God's name we decided that was okay to like invade someone. We just didn't care. That's true. I think the premise of any listeners is like the beginning of like me playing music is we didn't care about anything and we just would do all kinds of ridiculous shit. So, and I'm pretty sure we ran away. From, we got some legal issues that night. That same night. We, yeah, we set off some fireworks in the middle of the road and then had to uh, hide in bushes while cops drove by. <laughs> <laughs> no exaggeration, that definitely happened. Yeah, that was. Um... So what? And the where you guys put out a couple couple uh, releases, right? They were they were recorded in our bedroom in my in my dorm room. Yeah, because I was in college and and they were recorded with a computer mic. <laughs> <laughs> and um, there was no like you know there was no like no takes or anything there was no like any any care given to how it was put together like things yeah. were like off timing and like um, but they we did and we I think we just gave I don't know if we really charged money for them or we gave them out for free just wherever we played yeah did you guys play with some some like not like bigger bands but bands that weren't just locals as well <laughs> And you play with Menzria? We play with Menzria, which is a band that has uh, one of the guys from Guar in it. And um, and I remember, like, John and me having this, like, the guy from Guar giving us a pep talk on how we shouldn't give up on our, our dreams, even though our band sucks. Like, <laughs> like, hey, he's like, hey, Guar, nobody liked Guar in the beginning, and look at us. And I'm like, <laughs> like oh, great. Now I could be, like, just like Guar. So, so that was, like, the only time I think that we were, but then we would that's when we kind of I think started to split ways a little bit at that point because I was like we were more looking to do I think something a little more musically driven like we I think we were t- I think it got old pretty quick that we were just playing racket and destroying stuff on stage and I think we were kind of like, let's actually like play music and I think John wanted to do that cuz he was already writing some songs for what yeah. would be the dignitaries which was also um, another band that had went through several several stages and again wasn't what I personally was looking for but Again, it was getting. I feel like all these bands were getting me closer to what I really wanted to do was be what I thought was a quote unquote real band, like an actual, yeah, like musically and and having that same stage energy. I wanted that band experience, and so all these things were evolutions trying to get me closer and closer to that. And so yeah. it took it took a long, long time for that to happen because I had to go through all this. Yeah. But so, I wouldn't trade it for the world because it was just, it was fun, you know? Yeah. It was fun to do all this stuff. So the where just kind of, like, they just kind of fizzled out, loss of interest, or... Lost of interest, and we had a talk with a drummer of like, do you think you could actually play something a little different, or maybe like put some more structure behind it so we can actually maybe try to turn the band into like a music, more of a, you know, have some kind of actual musicality behind it. Uh, and he was like, well, actually, I quit yesterday. And I'm like, how? Because we, we didn't even know this yesterday. So I think he got pretty defensive about it, and that was kind of the, the end of the where. And then we, and then it was just me and John, and mm-hmm. so I was like, "Well, we don't have a drummer." Yeah. So I, that's when I started playing drums. I yeah. brought, I brought a drum set from Andrew Alvarez for a hundred bucks. 
it was a I don't know what, what kind of drums it was. It lasted you a long time. Yeah, it was you know it was a it was a old clunker, but it made it work. Yeah, and so the dignitaries was what what came next. The dignitaries came next, and that was just started John playing guitar, singing, and me playing drums. And I I've never played drums in my life, so it was kind of an interesting experience. So yeah. I really don't know how. Um, how people perceive that at all? But yeah. we played, we played a couple house shows. I think that's where we met some of the real like people in the scene at the time, like in, at least in Rochester, because we had just played these random, random shows in the where they weren't real things. We had no exposure to the real music scene in Rochester. It was just kind of this insulated bubble of yeah. like we're playing our own stuff, except for playing in Pennsylvania and stuff. Yeah. So I think the dignitaries we saw kind of a crack into the world of. Rochester music, and so I think that's when it even piqued my curiosity more. Like I would want, I want to start something a little more serious than, than even this. Yeah. I think John felt that way too, because um, we both. I think we both kind of gave up on um, uh, dignitaries at some point. So. Yeah. But there's something that came after, because right after the wear was done, and Ding Terry's was like kind of going, I started a band with Trevor Lake mm -hmm. uh, called Urban Arson, and John was in and out of that band, and I think like Austin was in the band for like half a second, and Zane was in the band for half a second, yeah, uh, from from defects slash flip shit, and um, that band was actually kind of cool. It was. I it was like this. a thrash band, and it was. We had like maybe five songs. We played like three shows, maybe. I think we played Penny Arcade. We played Pennsylvania, and I think we played like Roberts or something. Yeah, but, I think it was it was at. Uh, you guys played at Tyler Trotman's house. Yeah, that was before it was called the Greenleaf. It yeah. was just Tyler Trotman's house. Yeah, yeah. So it's going back away. Yeah, but but that band, I think that band, I got really excited because I was playing guitar and I was like, this is kind of what I want. Like I wanted like have more of a serious like because all the other bands were like joke bands. They were like yeah. goofy. They were like parodies. They were they weren't structured. And this band was like, um, I think me and John were excited about it because it was like serious. You know, it was like yeah. it had this um, I don't know more structure behind it. Yeah, all right, it well, didn't hold up very long. Is there a reason why there's like a mass of people back there like 700 feet away? Get up here and circle it. This 
going to move quickly. I'm going to name some okay. stuff, and you're going to tell me what it's all about. We don't have to spend okay. a lot of time on it. Uh, but tell me about Something Better Records. Something Better Records is something awful. Um, something, <laughs> it was, I think, just this the whole, it was wrapped up in the whole MySpace craze where just thinking that you can you can have something just because you have it on MySpace. Yeah. Uh, which is completely untrue. MySpace is just a page, and if you say that you have a record label, <laughs> you don't actually have a record label. So, so it didn't really exist. We try to make a distribution site. I think there was a goal, like a community of people trading shows, and it, it, it was mislabeled. I think it should have. I think it could have been cool, but it was mislabeled and yeah. it had kind of um, unrealistic I think, expectations. I think that's kind of what like like paperclip distro morphed into. Yeah, I think paperclip distro was trying to do that. Like it simply was just, hey, you're from this area, we're from this area. Let's give each other our CDs, pass them out at shows. Let's um, advertise for you. You advertise for us. Let's book you. Let's book like just trade. You know, yeah. just have kind of parity between two areas. And it was kind of cool when it was working, uh, but something better was, I think, like the, the dumb attempt to make yourself important by making a MySpace page about it. <laughs> yeah. Which, um, well, I remember too. Like, I think that was just kind of an outgrowth of our like friend group. Yeah, like, it, we just wanted to. We put like, some other people on that that weren't, weren't we wouldn't really know. Yeah. At some point. Yeah, which that was weird, but like. That, that core group of us with uh, Red Eyes and you and The Wear, whenever that was, that may have been pre-The Wear, wasn't it? Maybe, yeah, I think it yeah. was. And then, like, you know, like, he wasn't on it, but we would all, like, play shows with Tom McCarthy. Yeah. And... Well, I think it was just, it just kind of signified that I think all of us wanted to do something more than we were doing. You yeah. Know? I think it's kind of behind the name, too, like, wanted to do something a little bit better. And also from a Red Eyes for Blue Skies lyric, that was "Close your eyes and dream for something better." Was that really? No. Yeah, See, I think know, that's you know stuff the, I don't know. I think that's where I got the idea for the oh. name. And Dan Kushner was on the label. In yeah. Quotes. And there's a band called Shot to Pieces that want us to give them five hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Can we put them on here? <laughs> I don't know. They track down the members of Shot to Pieces. Let's just let's just put their MySpace on here, and yeah. maybe people can we can start a uh, what is it? Uh, Go fund, go fund me, so they can finally get their five hundred dollars for their EP. Oh man! All right, so I'm gonna name a couple more random things, and then we'll we'll get into the, the more recent past and some of those things. Mm-hmm. What do you know about what do you know about disproportionate manslaughter? Uh, I know a disproportionate amount about it. It was me and John love to listen to like. Uh, Grindcore and cyber grind and like bands that had um, more movie clip audio clips than they actually had music, and so we're like, let's make a parody where something is literally just like this like shitty lo-fi grindcore and just mainly audio clips, and that's where that came from. Yeah, and uh, I, I love that stuff. Yeah. by the way, like I think that's you're the fun. you're the biggest fan. I am. I, I want to like you're you're gonna start start the community. A yeah. man with three buttocks. <laughs> Philosophy, Mike Shand underscore thirty six. Um, I think John named that, or me and John named that together. It was uh, instrumental kind of noise. The whole idea was that one person would record a track, mute the track, blindly go in and record another track, and see how the tracks overlap together. Mm-hmm. 
and then use different sound effects just to see where, like, you know, where would the, how would the, the, the tracks naturally come together? And so it was kind of nice because it was, um, I think, our introduction to noise in some ways. And that's how we met Eric Freight. Yeah. We, played, we played a couple of shows at Astro Philosophy. Again, we would just show up places in, in masks and costumes, which was part of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, we even danced in a nightclub at one point with some, some <laughs> random people in our masks. And we had these names and these like whole backstory. And um, we, we would recruit other people to be in the band. And then we played with, we met Eric Freight at a show. He was like, I say, who is um, Taurus maybe? Taurus? I can't remember the name of the band. Eric Freight was, had a toilet full of porn magazines and he was smashing on stage. That was his set. Yeah. And he would just scream a few things in a microphone, and then we, and then we did the Astro thing, and that's where we met him. And then he played a show with us, and then we were best buddies ever since. Well, that was also, I mean, that continued for a while and off and on. But that was also like a secret, as far as it wasn't. Oh yeah, I'm not in that band. Yeah. Oh, well, John already ruined that. Yeah. He, he admitted. I think every, everyone knows so. like John's like. <laughs> personality and my John, personality and like the combination of us together so i think yeah. people just knew when you walked in the room well, I think except, John, for Dor- except for dorothy one time she legitimately did not know who it was yeah she said she figured it out later yeah which i mean those of you that listen to the podcast that know dorothy ross may have even seen she's posted videos of of uh astro philosophy showing up at art night on a wednesday night but uh yeah john kind of outed himself and then turn the rest of us on his podcast episode. And John's still releasing music as Astro Philosophy. Yeah, he's so. the only one. Uh, he's the only one in it. So yeah. Now we haven't. I mean, we had talked about maybe doing it again at some point, but you know, we're kind of. I think we're far apart. It's hard to do that. Yeah. But it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I I, I think of all the the goofy things. It it was goofy and it was kind of silly, but I think it was, um, it was kind of a fun process to do. Yeah. And it was kind of fun to actually like set up those kind of shows where you just walk into a show and put yourself on it and see what happens and, yeah and we you know nothing ever bad really happened when you got on shows <laughs> hello Someone had the idea at one show to play a fake, to be in a band that didn't exist on top of the band that we were supposed to be playing as that was just one breakdown the entire time. And, and I think like, like, like seconds before we played this like one big breakdown, it was just um, someone, I want to say it was Ward, no, Ward, I don't know if Ward was even around at this point, maybe John. Ryan Jeffrey might have been in it. I don't know. We just yeah. we just said we're gonna call it Impact the Clowns, because like all those bands at the time had like you know now or Verb the Noun or whatever it was. So we were yeah. gonna be, you know, I I don't know why that, but so it was just one breakdown the whole time. I I don't know how well. I don't think it was. I think it was improvised. So and that wasn't. There's not a MySpace. There's for that. there's no recording. There's yeah. no MySpace. There's just just that 
one time we decided to name it. So that's why I don't know if I really count that as anything. Yeah. Well, I just, John brought it up about a week ago on, on that Facebook thing. So <laughs> that's the only reason I brought it on here. John, so. John's secretly recording the full length. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've, we've moved to, this is not a, a fun part of your history, but you guys played a lot of shows. Uh, Vomitous Society. Oh, I hate this part of this. I think I hate this more than like any of the joke <laughs> bands that came before. Because this wasn't a joke band. We, yeah. And I think me and John should have just stayed me and John. Because me and John had some cool songs written. And I think John and I should have split the vocals. And it was supposed to be, like, I think we really got into grindcore at the time. Like, the power violence. And we wanted to start a power violence band. But, you know, I don't think me or him had, like, the musicality to do it. But I think we tried, and I think it was kind of cool what we had. But then we found a guy, and I'm just gonna leave his name off the record. But we found a guy to sing for us, and he was—he's—he was full of himself. He was full of himself, and he was terrible. So those two combinations don't go very well together: thinking you're the best and actually being the worst. Um, and so I think that just really hurt our reputation as a band, and like people who knew us who. You know, I don't think we had a good reputation going into it. If you've, if you've been listening to this podcast and you actually checked out these bands, I think you know, like people thought we were a big joke. And, yeah. and it, this is a time when I really want to say, hey, I'm not, I don't want to be in joke. And it just ended up being a bigger, bigger joke at that time. Yeah. So, but it went on for a year. We played it for a year. We played mainly in Pennsylvania more than we did in Rochester. You guys, you guys were coming to Pennsylvania like every other weekend. Yeah. It seemed like. And like I had this like I remember I booked Magruder Grind and we played with to play with them and then Magruder Grind bailed like maybe I think like the night before the show or the day of it and was something crazy yeah it was like right before and I was we still had kind of played it but yeah well cause I came up for that show I uh rode yeah. in the van I, I sat on the floor of Chariot of the Gods van yeah. for four hours to come up cause they were playing the Magruder Grind show and I don't remember who else played I think like Love Pork played yeah and I think they showed up late and I don't know something weird with that something happened I don't know there's some kind of issue yeah with that something somebody damaged something at the flying squirrel I think that's that's like the tradition of the flying squirrel someone breaks something at the flying squirrel but yeah things are like so there's all these band names but they they represent like a time when we practiced or a time when we like played a show and it was but this this um particular thing it was a guy i had i had worked for this agency that ran group homes and um 
somehow he worked for another group home and he worked at ours part-time and something like that and I, I didn't even know who he was but he recognized me and I saw him in a Dunkin Donuts and he was like hey why don't we be in a band together and I was like I don't know who the fuck you are but sure why not so he's like I like Scott you like Scott I'm like uh, it's not my like favorite but like let's let's do it so we we me and John him he played trombone John played guitar there was no bassist or no, maybe Ryan Jeffrey played no. bass. Nate Stenberg. Nate Stenberg played bass. Yeah. Who does. also played bass in Vomitus as as part of yeah, his, his school experiment. <laughs> and um and I played drums and we played one show and I remember we all took off our shirts during the show and it, which it really offended the guy because he was very like he was very um I don't know what the word is, but he's conservative. Conservative, um like, like shy. Personality wise. Yeah, he, and like we, we like jay sense of the word. After the show we like jaywalked and he got really mad and offended that we jaywalked and like we broke the law and so let's talk to that again. And obviously we, we you know, we don't exactly you know, we swear a lot, so I don't think he liked that either. <laughs> so he, he quit the band he wanted to drive home that night. So, which is like kinda like sad. In retrospect, but, but it, wasn't, it wasn't working. So Bob Ganoush lasted one show in like maybe four or five practices, but it wasn't really a thing. All right. Yeah. That was a show I booked in, in Bloomsburg. I remember being a lot like that. And also, you guys practiced in my little apartment. Like yeah. Bob Society and Bob Ganoush. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Why would we do that? <laughs> like, this tiny little apartment with this little old oh, lady man. that lived below us. And we just didn't... Like... She never said anything about it. She, yeah. I know she was like kind of deaf, but like, <laughs> it's like so weird to think about. Like, <laughs> I guess they have their TV up really loud and it's really shitty. <laughs> All right, two more bands before we talk about the end of Vomitus. Okay. Because these are random bands that I, I found in in pictures, like Facebook albums. Right. Uh, Pigs on Parade and Mindless Violence. Those again, I think those were just one time, like, trying to rebrand ourselves. I, I think yeah. Vomitus Society was hurting us so bad that me and John kept trying to rebrand ourselves. And I don't know if John felt that way that we were hurting ourselves because we still were excited because we were we liked creating stuff together. But yeah, I think we kept wanting to rebrand ourselves and try different things. And so we would play like a show, a show as these new and like these new identities. And I don't really think they were. I think they were supposed to be like power violence punk or yeah. Um, like some variation of Amis without the, the guy who was the vocalist. So yeah, or not him on vocal. I think he played drums in one of them, but I don't remember. Maybe mindless violence. But again, that yeah. was I don't even know what that really was. I don't know if that even played a show. No, you did, because it's in pictures I have. See, I don't even see. I don't even remember this. See, I, I was oh. digging deep. Wow. I, I mean, look at this. I, yeah, I, you I did your research. you did your research. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's like a, a dungeon somewhere, and there's these old tomes of. Like we had to blow off the cobwebs, and you could find out what, what band we were in. Yeah, no. I, if I've, if I'm gonna do this, I want to go into as much detail as yeah. possible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. So now we can move on into the the modern era. Okay. 
shall we which, say. Which we should say that Vominus ended in a blaze of glory, because yeah, I, like, I got so mad. That's what I was going to say. Like, Talk about the end of that into the beginning of Endangered Youth. We were playing, and again, this is all, I mean, this, the history is relevant, because I all I wanted was to play in a real band. <laughs> yeah. And all these bands were like struggling to get to that point where, and I think John had the same sentiment. Like We wanted to get respect as musicians, which I think we had to slowly, slowly earn. And as performers and as people in the scene and work our way in, it took forever. So Vomis, again, was one big slap in the face that just wasn't coming together. Me and John put all this work into it, and it wasn't coming together. But I finally, like, that dude was such an asshole on that weekend in Pennsylvania. He was, like, like calling out people in the audience and stuff. I just couldn't stand it. So finally we were playing Tyler's house, Greenleaf. And uh, I don't know if it was called Greenleaf back then. And I got mad. I remember, like, the very last song, I, like, threw my drum, my drums... I just, like wrecked my drum set, and I set off fireworks in my snare drum, <laughs> and like I like I think I yelled in the street or something. I don't know. I was pretty pissed. Yeah, is it? It uh, definitely moved onto the street. Which was like ha- as like half three theatrics, and it was half like I was like actually pissed that that this was just such a shitty band, and that was the end of it. I think I like I think I told like Ryan like. Like as they walk, oh, say I just named him by accident. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I think I, I, I think John I, named him in his podcast. Yeah, I think I like walked. I remember like walking out like "fuck you," like you're an asshole, and then like then I like blew up my with like fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> but see, the the whole like snare drum was gonna go anyways, and I bought a, I had a nice new one, but yeah. but I was like, what? A, it's a good way to to send it on its way. <laughs> and so, how did uh, you know, how did Endangered Youth form? I mean, obviously, I know the story. Yeah, because like, because you were in it. Um, yeah. So this was still like, again, that had ended, and you were living in Pennsylvania. And I was living in um, New York, and I really wanted to cope with a stressful job, and I really wanted that band that never came to pass. So I remember we were talking about the longest time. If you come up, if you move up, we're starting a band. Yeah. And it's gonna be like it's gonna be the band gonna be the band that like finally sounds good after all this other stuff it's gonna you know and john was of course on board too interested yeah. in it you know well this was after i'd like gone through a end of a serious relationship that i had a lot of angst and was ready to get the hell out of yeah you you were getting out of a relationship like i was trying to cope with a stressful job <laughs> and we were trying to both like me and john wanted to get a band that had that respect and was in, in the music community um so I remember like us. T- I remember like walk pacing around the place where I worked, like on the phone with you sometimes, yeah. like, once a week, just like hopeful and optimistic and talking about starting that band as an escape, and writing the lyrics early on before you even came up writing the lyrics and writing all the stuff for the, what would be the first couple songs. We're not getting any younger, modern day in my mind, and um, not so I've been told that wasn't written yet. Um, uh, lights out, but that lights, was, lights, lights out the lyrics. We, we were, no, we wrote that together. But I wrote. I remember we're not getting younger. My damn mind. Those ones were the only ones I got. I wrote, but I wrote the music for Lights yeah. Out. But it was there's no lyrics yeah. yet. And then I remember sending like these like scratch tracks to you, through like just through the email. Yeah. And I would like whisper. I couldn't. I didn't have the scream that I felt like fit, so I would, like kind of whispered, <laughs> whispered the scream on there so that you could. And then you would record them with Rob. You'd record them over top. Yeah. And then it was like it actually sounded like half, half decent. Yeah. For what it was, and then and then like we had some basic structure. So then when you came up to Rochester, you finally moved up here. We needed to find someone who would play guitar because I planned on playing um, drums. Even though I wrote the guitar for those first couple songs, 
I wanted to show someone how to play that those few songs and and we had a hell of a time finding someone to play guitar. We 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 had all I mean we had to have a whole separate podcast just for that those auditions of trying to find someone. Yeah. And well, then we gotta tell them about D flips. Uh, <laughs> I say for another time maybe. D flips right. is his own story. We can get we can go on some big tangents here. Um, but eventually we came upon um, Josh Richards. We actually asked Eric Freight first, and he said no. And then we came upon Josh Richards, who agreed to do it. Uh, Joey Lanzone wanted to do it, but I think I told him, like, fuck you, you're too young or something. <laughs> he was, like, 14, and he emailed me, like, can I be in your band? And I was like, no, I don't, I don't even know who he was. But yeah, this was before we met him. He was like, I'll be in your band. So um, then I, Josh Richards said yes, who was in Silverfish. Who is still in Silverfish because they reunited? Yeah. And we we, we played our first show uh, all together. We you know, we kind of put together the songs that uh, I had written, and Josh put his player on them. And then we also wrote a fourth song called "So I've Been Told," which was kind of our uh, our radio hit. So I hear. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's gotten some radio airplay. Yeah, and um, and then we played in the basement with oh gosh, Silverfish obviously. Silverfish. Uh, uh, lyrics to life. Lyrics to life, and that was what's it. Up, what's up, Kevin Rose? Yeah, and that was in um, Greece, in some house in Greece. Yeah. And um, so that was kind of a cool, like, first show. And then I finally, I think that was the moment after we played that show, I was like, we finally did. I finally played in a band that I was, like, really proud of. And, um, you know, it actually had, like, music skill behind it. And it had a lot of evolving to do, but it was, like, you know, it was an actual band. Yeah. And people were receptive of it. They didn't, like, kind of say, like, you know, what the hell is this? So I don't know. I think that was like I remember that being like the first moment. I was like, okay, finally, I've done after years and years and years of like trying to be in a band. That was when I finally was in a band. Yeah. <laughs> in a band, and I was a pretty still pretty new to drums. So I really, you know, it was kind of exciting to try to pick that up that fast. Yeah. Um, and then we from there. <laughs> songs with Josh, but Josh eventually had a part ways. 
Uh, I think he played with us from, from October that year or May or whatever, or no, August till May. And then we had to find a new guitarist. Um, so I, I messaged Eric Freight again, who was in, um, he was in Dr. Zayas, he was in, he was in his own project, New Malice. Yeah. Um, he, what else did Eric do? He did noise stuff. Um, so anyways, he, he said no again. But then he said yes, finally. He like he emailed me the next day. He's like, I thought about it, and I decided that I, I should do this. And so he was really serious about it. So he learned the songs. He put his twist again on the songs, which was probably the best thing that ever happened to them. And then and then he we wrote a whole new set of songs with him yeah. um, that whole summer, which led us to the fall, winter, when we recorded, uh, started thinking about recording Furtherance. Yeah, well, we put out some releases before Furtherance, too, which... Yeah, we, we did we recorded those first two songs that we had with Josh, which you know is an interesting way of trying to record those. Yeah. But we we, we just put them we made like three hundred of those or four hundred of those yeah, or something. Yeah, uh, stand your ground. Yeah, stand your ground EP, and we just put them everywhere in the city. We just dumped them off at places, and people found them. People would be like, "Oh, I found your CD at like Crudco, or I found your CD at you know the Flying Squirrel, or I found it here or there." We would just we would we make like weekly runs and drop off batches of like twenty CDs in a random spot. Yeah. Um, they were just wrapped in paper, and it was like a little little cover art for it. Um, I so think yeah. that did a lot for us as far as getting our name out there. Yeah. Yeah. And and we then we did a split with Condition Oakland and Kaleidoscopes. We did a three way, um, where we recorded Lights Out, and I think Minor Day, my mind was again on that. I think so. That was with Josh. Yeah. And then that was, I guess, that was all before Eric Eric joined the band, so yeah. that was still that winter. And we did a little tour too. Tell yeah. Them. Well, we played, I don't know, we played like another five, year. six days. Yeah, we played for a few months before we did that, and things were going well, and so we booked our own tour, and it was a lot of hard work because we had to make all the contacts ourselves. We played... Um, we didn't know what we were doing. Just east, just east, yeah. northeast. So it was uh, Boston area, Brooklyn, back down through Pennsylvania again, because we've known people in Pennsylvania for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and then... Portland, New York, which was uh, interesting, <laughs> interesting place to play. It was probably the worst place we've ever played, and then back up to Rochester again. And I just remember that Cortland show. I was just telling someone about that the other day. Like, I, there was, my dog is, is not really whiny right now. Um, there was, um, I don't know, it was a really broy bar, and there was this really shitty metal band that played. And I don't even know what they were called. And then, like, this guy, I, I came out of the bathroom stall, and this guy, like, punched me. And he was like, get the fuck out of here. And I was like, you know. So I was really mad. I didn't fight him or anything. I just kind of walked. I was trying to get out of there, so I walked away. But I had all this, like, you know, adrenaline pumping, and I was mad. Yeah. And someone, like, attacked me. And so I walked out of the vent, back of the venue. And this was after we played. So this girl was, like, sitting in the back of her car. And she's like, nice set, man. And I was like, ah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I, was, like, I was just so mad because I got, like, attacked. I didn't mean to, like, be mean to her. But then the next day on Facebook, she like added our band, like, and I, cause I remember her face, and and I was like, and I think she sent us a message, but I don't remember what it was, but she like she was all excited about it, so so I guess it didn't hurt our band image to to, you know, swear at our fans. I mean, it was it was, it was pretty damn punk. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. So turned over the tables at the bunk jar once. <laughs> Got angry that, a lot in that, that band. Uh, Oh yeah, Eric was in the band when that I like happened. flipped yeah. our merch table. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> it's funny. I think it was funny. It was kind of funny even uh, like immediately afterwards a little bit too. Yeah. But it's funnier now. So 
even. You probably don't even remember what you were mad about. Cause I, I don't know what I was mad about. Yeah. Mad about, I was mad enough to flip a table. I don't yeah. Know. I can see a little. I can see Well, my my girlfriend at the time, <laughs> she she was like, I just heard Steve go into the bathroom <laughs> and scream, "Fuck John, <laughs> fuck Eric, fuck Adam, and fuck this band." <laughs> See, I think there's just there's too much pressure on that band still. Like, I think I put too much pressure on myself that like I could not make a mistake. Like I wanted, like, I put so much into this band, and I had. I think it really wasn't about the band. I was projecting onto the band yeah. my frustrations that were going on in my personal life, and I would just, I just took it out on the band, which was not fair to the band. But I think where, and I really had to confront. There was other issues going on in my life where that's where I was that mad, <laughs> enough to do that, but it had nothing to do with the band. But it, it, a little something went wrong, like we played a messed up a song or something. I would get yeah. really pissed off, but it really wasn't about that. It was because I couldn't deal with the stuff in my life at the time, which I did. It made everything better, but uh, I think at the time that's where a lot of that came out of. Yeah. So. Well, tell me about Furtherance, the recording process and the release of it and all of that stuff. Furtherance is kind of like, it's a, a long process of writing songs because it had some of the songs that we had previously Put together with um, Josh and um, some of the ones we put together with Eric, so it was kind of a culmination of all the bands I think work at the time. And we record it with a guy that Eric knows, uh, Matt Oyer, Matty O, and he worked for Black Dogs, Blue Dogs, some kind of dog Black studio, dog. Black Dog Studios, yeah. um, who I guess originally did Metallica's album back in the day. Yeah. Not, well, that he, not, not that Matt, he, not that he, no, Black not Matt. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but Kill them all. Yeah, Kill them all. Yeah. It was recorded there. Um, just a fun fun history fact but Matt hadn't really recorded anything heavy I think at the time it was our first so he was kind of curious to get get his feet wet doing something a little different so he did us for free one because he, he had known uh, Eric for so long and two just because I think he wanted to try it out and, with his own home studio equipment so we did it with him um, so we released it ourselves we packaged a, a shit ton of, of those CDs and um had a release show for it. I don't know, am I missing something about that? Uh, I don't know. I, don't know. I can't think of any, like... I don't know. That's, that was about it. I I think that was, like, at that point, too, again, there's these markers I think about that were, like, really... I was really proud of. I was proud of playing that first show as Endangered Youth because that was, like, okay, we're in a real band now that plays real music. And I was really proud of releasing that album because I was, like, we finally released an album. Yeah. <laughs>
third marker, I think, comes at the end of Endangered Youth when we were we broke up. We broke up twice. We broke up the first time at the end of. Uh, well, technically, we didn't break up the second time. Technically, <laughs> technically, we're still together. Yeah. So we have an open relationship. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just remember playing that last show. It was like August 2012, right? Yeah. In the Meat Grinder. Um, and I'm not going to give a concise history of the Meat Grinder because that's just... That can be a whole other separate yeah. podcast and we're already like... But I lived there for a short time and that was the end of the Endangered Youth Days. And we played a show and it was it was fun. And I just remember people like singing all the words back to, to Furtherance as we played. And I felt like that was like probably the most meaningful music experience after doing that for... I don't know, years and years and years of trying to get something legitimately, you know, that was respected musically, and then we had yeah, people who knew our words, so I know that's pretty exciting. So what's, uh, why did Endangered, from your viewpoint, because obviously I can give my viewpoint, mm -hmm. but what happened that Endangered Youth had to, had to stop that first time around? Too much external problems and mental health issues I think of everyone involved um, two people were going through divorce uh, I think everyone was going through depression yeah. um, we were I, all like the three, of, the three out of the four of us were living yeah, in the same house people were living together and um, financially we were stressed I mean the, everything that could be an issue I think was an issue and I think I think we couldn't even like be happy when we were around each other anymore. Like we weren't yeah. like we were it was tearing apart our friendship to keep trying to do something like that. And I think we really need to address our our own individual issues in our yeah. lives. So we just decided to end it. And I think it was kind of collective. Everyone was like, let's end it on a good note. Let's not like crash and burn. But it was only a few months later after that show that we were like things had somewhat resolved in people's lives a little bit. We're a little further from those problems. Yeah. To say, let's try it again. Um, and that's when we reunited, I think in like December or January of that year, like six months later. Yeah. Um, which we played for another five or six months, and then we, we went on hiatus just because I was going back to school, to yeah. grad school, and um, I just didn't think I could kind of keep up with that at the same time. And, and I think that project kind of came to a The only thing my regret is that we didn't record the new songs we yeah, wrote. I mean, sure. There's all like videos of the new stuff we wrote. We've never recorded uh, even another EP. So a lot of that stuff is, I don't want to say lost because it's in video, but... Um, it never got, I think, the recording time it deserved because yeah. we worked quite hard on those songs.
right, well, two little things here. Uh, this was this was going on during Endangered Youth, but what was what was American Prison? American Prison was you were involved in I was. and heavily in the writing of American Prison because I had a procedure medical procedure done where I was under full anesthesia, <laughs> and when I came back out of it, I was still loopy and like. And I think I remember you telling me, let's record music while you're in the state. <laughs> so we went to my house and like recorded some kind of like techno noise music yeah. while I was like half drugged up from whatever they gave me. And I was coming out. I remember like getting more and more lucid as we were recording, but like yeah. I don't remember even doing it half of it. I don't remember even getting to my house. So <laughs> so somehow we recorded half half that EP without me even remembering that it happened. And then we played um, a one one time kind of performance art piece with that in the background. Um, where we like, uh, I don't know, it was like an anti-war um, piece and kind of did a whole theatric behind that and the meat grinder, Al Rundage was excited about it. Weren't there some fireworks involved? I, like I think we used fireworks to like simulate gunfire and we just like set them off at like, <laughs> like at people's feet and we smoked out the basement and I don't know, there were ski masks involved, there was a lot of yelling and noise and yeah. shouting. But it was uh, it was interesting. I don't know. Yeah, maybe uh, not the most like thought thought through piece, but it was interesting. Yeah, we put it together in yeah. you know kind of in a short amount of time, and it was fun. And I'm glad you had the idea to, to make us go record. Yeah. I don't know if I had the idea or you did. I don't know. I think you did because I don't really remember it even happening. Yeah, so. I don't. I don't even know if there's. Maybe you were. Maybe that, you were so. on drugs. <laughs> you, don't, you don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't remember that conversation and yeah. like telling you that we should record. Like, uh, it's, I mean, it was a long time ago. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, really don't know. I, no, one, no one was there to record us not remembering. <laughs> uh, okay, well, there's a couple other random things before we move into our, our current band. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chronicle? Oh, yeah, Chronicle. I forgot about Chronicle. I, I did, too, until a just, couple minutes ago just, just I jotted it down. Chronicle was a noise, binaural beat. No, nah, I wouldn't call it. You can't even call it noise. It's just binaural beat ambient uh, stuff that I did for fun um, on my, by myself. I would take some music and slow it down to really, like, long, like, one note, two notes, and just slow it down to, like, ten minutes of a song and, yeah. and kind of do these effects behind it and put binaural beats in it. And, I don't know. It was just it was fun. Yeah. experimenting with different sounds I still have a whole bunch of the business cards you made with the link to the band camp on, really um, yeah I made cards for that <laughs> you made like business like download like business cards see if you didn't if this was an interview like it was someone that I didn't know asking me about music history I would have left out like 90% of the stuff cause I, know, I, don't, right? I don't remember I feel like I feel like there's only there's like a very specific audience that's going to be interested in this and like not yeah. there's a lot of people who just aren't going to care but yeah I mean well I think that was, I was influenced by Brian Eno a lot too so I was I wanted to like have my own Brian Eno yeah like piece I guess even he didn't do binaural beats but I think I just was really influenced by him yeah so and okay what was male sex uh, that was with John Beard and it was originally. Just a, like a digital cyber grind thing mm-hmm. uh, with a lot of heavy on the noise. Um, but then it became this thing where I would play drums and Sean had this like little keyboard thing, I think. I think it was a keyboard. And yeah, he, it was like a... I don't know what it was, but it was, he'd play it through an amp with distortion. Yeah. And, and it was kind of like a, we were supposed to do that live. And, it, and we just practiced it a lot after the 
like we want to do a two inch CD split or something. Yeah. And I don't know, and it never, it never, it never happened. So I don't think, um, I don't really know what happened. I just don't think we had any follow through with it. Yeah. Well, speaking of Sean Beard, we don't have to get into any personal stories there, but uh, did you play in a couple other projects with him that I've got that I think I've got some recordings of? Well, he did uh, play in por pornographic images, which played a, uh, a set in Avery's basement. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else we did with Sean. Were you in L.A. Wannabes? Oh, L.A. Wannabes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I played guitar for L.A. That was Glendy and John, and I don't know if Sean Beard, was Sean Beard in the band? I don't remember. I don't know if he was. I don't yeah. think he was. I think I think it was just me, John, and Glendy um, in, in L.A. Wannabes. And yeah. we, we recorded something, but I don't even remember that we recorded it, because the only way... I remember that as you told me. So. Yeah, I've got those recordings too. Yeah, like I think I played one. I definitely played Ellie Wannabe's in John's episode. But that was not, I think that was kind of like back to the whole thing of like we, there was no like no one like no one wrote. I didn't sit down and write the songs. I just like jammed out a few riffs and it yeah. became a song. And I like it was like three chords, so I remember who it was. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's one of the things that's so cool about all of these different projects is just like a lot more spontaneous. It was spontaneous, but it was still like creative and yeah. fun and like. Pornographic images was actually pretty good considering that was like all improv and yeah it was yeah. it's like a, a pretty cool stream of yeah like a couple tracks yeah I saw yeah. a bunch of people liked it on uh, CHM whack oh really yeah is it there's another just along vampires of normandy there's a hidden community <laughs> dedicated to it yeah you should talk about that for a minute before we move on oh wait no uh decimate damnation it was yeah, yeah, we did. That, I didn't even think about it. that. That was a band again in the wear era that me and John just like made as noisy grind as we could, and I completely forgot that we recorded that and put it on MySpace until this kid from California reached out to me and said that there's this whole like community of people who like were back into that cyber grind thing, and I guess Decimate Damnation was. Um, like a thing and they were all like into it and they wanted to track down the people who made it and he found me he found me on Facebook and he was like I can't believe you're the one who made it I'm like I can't believe you're so like into this that I didn't even know existed yeah anymore. it's so weird so the internet's so weird place, it, was, it was like a forum for it and they had like a they had a not a podcast they had something dedicated a YouTube channel dedicated to it or something it's so weird so you still have the messages? You gotta, because like, I haven't seen the actual. Like, I, don't, I don't know if I. Probably, probably my Facebook yeah, somewhere. Check that down. So I don't think I deleted anything off of that. Yeah. All right, one more project before we talk about Treadwater. Because you've released some music as Men Without Eyes, right? Yeah. Men, stuff on, on Bandcamp or whatever? Men Without Eyes, I think, was just me experimenting with, like, electronic stuff, just yeah. for fun. And, and I would release it every time I made some. I'd make it and make batches of, like, five or six songs and I release it um, so I don't know I, I, I think there's a band camp for it and, I don't know it's it's not like the for people who are really into EDM and stuff I don't think it's probably would be pretty harsh in judging it because it's not that good but it, I think for what it is that I have no experience in that I don't know I was kind of proud of it I was excited to to make it yeah. but I don't I don't claim to have be the best EDM or whatever you want to call it I don't even know what I don't because there's all different kinds of Subgenres of that, yeah, and I don't even, like, I don't even music. know what to call it, just it is what it is. Yeah. Time to move. Lock, lock, lock it down. 
there was some time that passed where you weren't really playing yeah, music publicly. And so what uh, what changed and what uh, made you want to play again and how did, uh, how did Treadwater Farm? Once again, obviously, I already kind of know the story, but for... Sound like it's a head of Treadwater Farm. Treadwater Farms. Yeah. That's, that's my it's favorite kind of chocolate milk. It's a dairy farm. <laughs> um, we, I didn't play from between when Danger Youth ended to when we started even practicing or talking about it. It was three years. Didn't yeah. play any. Didn't play a single show. Didn't play anything. Um, I never really played guitar at all, so like I... Except I, for Urban Arson. Urban Arson, but I was like, I played like three power chords in Urban Arson, <laughs> so I don't know if that really counts. But um, then I got a guitar, I got um, a strat from um, my my wife's father, my father-in-law, and um, I just started playing that a lot, playing a lot of blues on that, and I think I really got excited about playing guitar again, and something about that just felt, you know, like it was exciting to play guitar, have an instrument to play, you know, after work and stuff, but... Um, it didn't really fill that need, that that or that desire, that really that enjoyment you get out of playing live and playing with other people. Yeah. And a lot of the reasons too, I didn't play for three years because I was I went back to school. You know, I got a job and my you know I kind of I got married. I bought a house and so I had a lot of like big life things going yeah. on. So it was okay to take some time off of doing that, and that wasn't really a high priority. But then I think when I was settled, I was kind of like I really miss this. This was like a big part of my life, you know, since I was in high school. So I really want to. I really want to get back. So I went to, John was up to visit from North Carolina, and we went to a show. It was The Bournes and Envious Disguise Reunion. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of tagged along, and, and I saw Kalo Barefoot playing. Um, and so, and I knew you were in Rama with him mm-hmm. in the time in between Endangered Youth and when we even talked. And, and I, I was watching Caleb playing the Borns, and it's kind of like a, I don't know what you want, kind of stylistically you want to call the Borns, but... Ramones core. But, like, I'm watching, like, Caleb, you know, and I'm just looking like, he doesn't really fit in this band. He looks like he, like, wants to be in a hardcore band still. Yeah. He looked, and I don't say he looked bored, but he just, like, underused or something, maybe. So I was like... So after the show, I was like, hey, like, do you think you'd ever want to start something heavier again? And he was like, oh, yeah, I'm cool with that. Like, he was so laid back. I'm yeah. cool with that. So, um... So I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's let's find time to practice. So like a month later, I think we finally I, I texted him or something or called him and and said let's find a time. And obviously you were, I think you were just like, all right, I'm playing bass. Like it wasn't like there wasn't like exactly how that yeah happens. like you didn't like there was no like like we didn't even talk about who would play bass or how we would do it. You were just like, all right, I'm playing bass. Like you were like oh, like you're just like I'm doing this. Like yeah. but I think that's how we work at this point. We've known each other for so many years. It's like yeah, you're playing yeah. bass. Like I just assume that you're gonna like pick up the you know bass and that's gonna be it. Yeah. Um, so we practiced from April, no May. That was it. Was April? Was it April? Because like I, I remember April, late April, all the way in, all the way till December when we played our first show. So we yeah. practiced for for eight months. Um, I think we originally wanted to play in October, and it just you know we had tried a couple of vocalists that just didn't work out. Um, Shout out to Avery, who disappeared off the face of the earth. I, we just stopped coming one day, and we were we were hoping he was still alive. Love you, Avery. Yeah. So, but um, but we had we had to move on with our lives. So so we just moved on, and um, then we decided we'd just be a three piece, and we'd do the vocals, and um, so we played our first show in December with Hotel Year and uh, Trues and um, California California Cousins. Cousins. 
So, and then uh, it kind of got us back into it. So that, I know that was kind of exciting. I, you know, I saw about these moments where I was like, okay, because well, I'm really proud of this again. I think I was really proud of that because I'm like, I'm back again, and I can have, you know, I think I used to be scared. Like if I live my life, if I go get a job, if I do all those things, I'm never going to be able to have this other life on the side. Yeah. But I think because you know my wife is amazing and supportive I think she likes like knows that's really important to me to want to play music and you know understands that that's something that I'm going to want to spend time doing you know every week practicing for two hours whatever it is yeah. um, you know of course playing all the time at home so um, but I, don't know, I think that was one of those moments too where I was like you know I can I finally got it back again and it, and it's like serious it's like something that we were proud of yeah proud of doing and um, well, I mean we played it was you know I don't know if it was, that show was officially sold out but it was it had to be pretty dang close because it was packed. Yeah, it was a, it's like the probably the most most people any of us had ever played in front of. I think in Danger Youth played some a bigger show at some point, but I don't know. That was a pretty big like Bug yeah. Jar like was a sea of people, so it was kind of yeah. exciting. It's a small place, but still kind of cool to see you know to. And this is coming from the fact that we used to play you know going back to the beginning of the podcast we would like. Prank the girls' door dorm room. I playing so like it, it just seemed more legitimate to be like playing a place. People know who you were from the bands you'd been in before. You had a reputation, and people come back to see you again. You know, even though they've never heard your band. Yeah. So that was kind of I think exciting because um, obviously you know I do it because I like playing music, not because I'm you know trying to do anything with it. But you connect to other people, so it's exciting to see the people that connected back to you yeah. on that after years and years of doing this. So. Which it's been oh, well over ten years now that um, we've been at this. So rolled his balls. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how old they are, but we're <laughs> probably just as old, if not older, than them. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, tell me what comes next for Treadwater and what. Uh, so what are you looking forward to. Literally ten days from now, uh, we will be going to eighteen oh nine Studios uh, with Dave Drago. Mm-hmm. Um, he did the Achilles rec first Achilles record. It was a split, I think. Uh, I yeah. thought it was just a I thought it was a full length, but I don't know what it was. Okay, Maybe we can a ask split him. with engineer, but either um, way, it was just so, Achilles. So uh, I think you guys knew him from Ramo because you looked him up and never ended yeah. up uh, following through recording with him. But I think you planned to. Um, so we. Um, I called him and I said we want to do an EP, and so I don't know we're gonna do that in ten days. That's exciting. Uh, so we've been practicing for that. Um, we got uh, after we put record that we plan on putting it out. Um, it'd be like a five song, I think, is the plan five six song, and then um, just continue writing music, put that out. We got a couple shows. We're playing in Buffalo. We got some shows in the, here. Uh, I think we want to do some weekends, weekenders out of town, maybe with some friends bands in the future. If you're listening in Pennsylvania, we will be, we'll be down in the spring or summer. Yeah, we. Pennsylvania is like our motherland, so we we have to get yeah. down there. And I feel like, like, maybe this is weird of me to say, but like I'm always proud to show Tyler Troutman my my band, and yeah. I, and and I've because I've always like, I maybe it's maybe he's more consistent with his music. He's been in already gone in Condition Oakland, but like we've been in like fifty bands. Yeah, well, Tyler, <laughs> like, Tyler's got a. I need a I need the Tyler Troutman stamp. Yeah. Too, you know? but I need the Tyler Troutman stamp of approval. Yeah. So so if he's listening. Um, he needs to get his stamp ready, or, or let me know because I think I need his stamp of approval. So, yeah, I know, it was kind of exciting. It was exciting to know that that now you know we can have this part back. At least I can have this part back in my life again, and play music and and it be casual and still like a lot of fun, and meaningful. So, yeah. I don't know. I think we have 
playing the words and keep going. Yeah, until we don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. So, and and the band I think is interesting because it's like, it doesn't sound like an injured youth. It's heavy, but it I think is a lot of potential to just kind of kind of evolve and diversify its sound a lot. It's not really pigeonholed into one particular genre. So, um, I think we could see it really evolving at post this recording, which is kind of exciting. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've been doing this for over an hour. I'm sure if we let ourselves go off a whole bunch of bunny trails, we could keep recording for a long time, but we've got a pretty solid episode already, so yeah. uh, any shout-outs before, before we uh, turn off the mic? Oh, man. Well, I guess i got a shout-out to, to everyone in Pennsylvania that we've always had a solid connection with, who's like always, you know, no matter how ridiculous our bands were, they were they always hook us up, and including yeah. yourself too. Like, book before you were, you know, part of us up here in Rochester. You know, so definitely to everyone there. So Tyler, Dan, Ted, um, there's too many names to name. Robbie. Robbie, yeah. Um, I'd say just to probably Dorothy Ross for letting us use that space, yeah. the, the vineyard space to practice and and um, you know I mean we used to play there as endangered youth. Lisa and Boggs would let us practice there like to anyone who's like put up with our shit and our shenanigans for the past 10 years basically yeah yeah cool
You just heard Speak by Treadwater. That is one of the tracks on our new EP, which is called Arrows in the Sun. And that is myself and Stephen Haramis, who you just heard a lot from. And our good buddy Caleb Barefoot is on the drums. And yeah, we're real excited to have this EP done, and it is online wherever you can find great music. It's on Spotify, Bandcamp, iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, Deezer. I don't even know what Deezer is. I've never used it, but our EP is on there, so if you use it, you can listen to us there. I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Steve. It was a lot of fun. I will be back soon. I don't know. You guys, the handful of regular listeners I've got, you guys know how it goes. I I don't make promises about when I'll get episodes out anymore. But I do have some recorded, and I just got to get them edited and ready to get out to you. So until next time, go support cool music. People who do cool stuff. Later.